0: Gift Biz Unwrapped, episode 310.
1: Stuff that's usually handmade or has artisan elements to it, it stands out because it's unique.
2: Attention, gifters, bakers, crafters, and makers. Pursuing your dream can be fun. Whether you have an established business or looking to start one now, you are in the right place. This is Gift Biz Unwrapped, helping you turn your skill into a flourishing business. Join us for an episode packed full of invaluable guidance, resources, and the support you need to grow your gift biz.
0: Here is your host, gift biz gal, Sue Monheit. Hi there, it's Sue, and I am thrilled that you're joining me here today. Before we get into the show, I want to make sure you know about a product that I introduced to the market earlier this year. I've gotten so much positive feedback about it that I just want to make sure you know about it so you don't miss out. As a handmade product maker, you create the most beautiful, delicious, and life enhancing products. I'm so impressed with your talent, and you always put a smile on my face when I see your newest creations. I'm always watching, and I'm also always listening. Let me back up here for a second. In our Facebook group, Gift Biz Breeze, you know this and have seen this if you're already there, I asked what you need help with the most right now, and you totally surprised me. It wasn't email marketing, it wasn't doing video, or any other number of topics that make up a solid growing business. Nope, what you overwhelmingly are asking for is help with social media posting, Because I was so surprised at your response, I really needed to know more. That's when you told me that you're putting in the time, you're posting frequently, maybe even every day, and you're discouraged because you aren't seeing any of this move the needle for your sales. I hear your frustration. Some of you have even told me you're at the point of just throwing in the towel on social media altogether. Wait, please don't do that. Here's the thing. Some adjustments are needed. That's all. You see, putting in more time posting in the same way isn't going to magically bring you the sales. You need to change the way you're posting and what you're posting. You don't need to put in more work. You need to put in the right work. And that's when things will change. So based on all your comments and my follow-up conversations, I've created your solution. It's called Content for Makers and it is specially created for handmade product makers like you. Because when you get your posting strategy and topics right, everything else falls into place. Content for Makers will enlighten you as to why your current social media activities aren't converting into sales. It'll also show you how to put in less time and start seeing activity that will lead to increased sales. Just imagine a day where you know exactly what to post and get it done in less than five minutes. Then you interact with potential clients, deepen relationships with those you already know, and all of this just continues to build upon itself naturally. Yes, this is possible. Content for Makers includes a step-by-step strategy to formulate your unique plan based on your business and your products. Then you'll get 375 social media prompts, so over a full year of ideas, along with the 375 prompts, come 375 image suggestions, so you're not left hanging on the creative. These prompts and image suggestions can be used for all platforms and all types of posting. Images, live streaming, reels, even email topics. But that's not all. Posts aren't going to work if the right people aren't seeing them. So you'll also receive a video and worksheet on how to choose the right hashtags. This is the way to attract the right people who are most likely to become your customers. Most people are doing this all wrong. There's more to Content for Makers too. To see all the details, jump over to giftbizunwrapped.com forward slash ContentforMakers. But honestly, at only $27, it's a no-brainer. Why carry on posting as you've been doing all along, expecting different results? Sign up for Content for Makers now and see the transformation of your posting experience change right before your very eyes. GiftbizUnwrap.com forward slash contentformakers. Ready and waiting for your instant access right now. Go ahead, pause this podcast for a second, and come back right after. It's that worth it. Our topic today is around that ever-present conversation about how to get more people to know about you and your business. We have to stop thinking that finally launching the website is enough, or spending hours on making the best images or posting on social media is enough, or even exhibiting at a Saturday afternoon craft show is enough. Yes, all of these are part of the puzzle yet there's one piece of the puzzle that most of us leave out. And quite honestly, it's an easier piece to fit in than many of the others. Let's dive into this week's show where we are going to talk about this missing piece and learn how it all fits together. Today, it is my pleasure to introduce you to Mickey Kennedy of E Releases. Mickey is an expert at helping small businesses, authors, and startups increase their visibility and credibility. He founded eReleases 22 years ago after realizing that small businesses desperately needed a press release service that they could afford, one that gives them access to the media and to a nationwide newswire, but all with a personal touch. Mickey lives in Baltimore County with his family and two feuding cats. He enjoys British science fiction and acknowledges an unhealthy addiction to diet soda. He holds an MFA in creative writing with an emphasis in poetry and still writes poetry most Monday nights, virtually right now, with a group of fellow misfits in Maryland. (laughs) Mickey, welcome to the Gift Biz Unwrapped podcast.
1: Oh, thank you. I'm so happy to be here.
0: Very first question, diet soda, Coke or Pepsi?
1: Whatever's on sale. So I prefer Coke Zero.
0: <laughs> oh, you do? I used to be a Coke girl. And then in my corporate days, I was working with Pizza Hut. So I had to flip to Pepsi. I had no choice.
1: <laughs> right.
0: I want to start off this conversation in a little bit of a different way for you, but very traditional for us here on the show. And that is by having you tell us a little bit more about yourself through a motivational candle. So if you were to imagine in your mind's eye what a candle would look like that would resonate with you by color and quote, what would it be?
1: It would be blue. And the quote would be, follow your inner moonlight. Don't hide the madness from Allen Ginsberg.
0: Because all of us have a little bit of madness inside.
1: We do. And I think that your audience being very creative and stuff like that, I think that there's a lot of people who feel like they need to be in touch with all the emotions. And sometimes the creativity comes out in sort of a maddening way. Me being a poet, that's how it works for me.
0: Oh, got it. And so would you usually be doing face-to-face poetry, except for the times right now? Or is it always virtual?
1: We would meet in person in someone's kitchen that we have been meeting for off and on like 30-some years. And he moved out to Western Maryland. He was originally from around the D.C. area. And I make the trip. It's about an hour and a half each way once a week until the pandemic came along.
0: And do you guys think you'll reinstitute that later when you can?
1: It's interesting because over time, we've gotten the whole gang back together. So we have one person who's in Nepal who used to be part of our group in D.C., and now he's doing it virtually. It's very early in the morning for him there. And then we have someone who moved to Charlottesville, Virginia, and now being virtual, we're able to integrate them. So I'm thinking that we might maintain virtual going forward and maybe do something separate for those who can actually meet around the kitchen table when the time comes.
0: That sounds fabulous. I love hearing good stories coming out of what we've had this last 12 months.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's been a big reunion in a way because we've all gone our separate ways. And with the Zoom, we just started saying, hey, I think it's a crazy chance, but let's ask James and Nepal if he'd like to join. And sure enough, he did. And the same thing happened with another member who had moved to Virginia. It's different, but it's a good kind of different.
0: Yeah, for sure. So there's nothing beats the face-to-face. But like you said, if you guys can get together those local, in addition, it's fabulous. I love it. Yeah. And that shows, again, another commonality you have with the community here. Because although poetry isn't a product, it's still <laughs> what I will term handmade, handwritten. Sure. Right? So there you go. Yes. <laughs> So I love e-releases. It has been really nice to connect with you before even this podcast. So I have some experience with your organization. And I found it to be very professional, very well thought out, very easy to do, covers all the bases. So (laughs) I love that. So I just have to start off with that. But you talk about in your intro that you didn't see any services like this for small businesses, which is why you started e-releases. Were you working before with someone larger, or how did you gravitate into this?
1: I was working for a company in the D.C. area, and we were getting calls from people. I remember one in particular was a HVAC or a plumbing person, I don't remember exactly, who had won a national award in their industry. And he wanted to send a release out to local media. And I told him that we work retainer only. I think at the time it was like a $20,000 minimum. And he was like, no, 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 I just want a press release written. And I couldn't help him. And I remembered I was going to look over lunch and see if I could find something online for him. And there really wasn't anything out there at the time. Things have changed quite a bit since then, but it was very difficult for small businesses in particular to have access to the media, how to draft a release that's professional and get that to the right media.
0: Yeah, because it's a very different animal than writing a newspaper article, right?
1: Yes, it is.
0: Share with us a little bit about the difference between the two, just so we all get on the same playing field here.
1: Right. I mean, generally, a press release is written in a third person. It's kind of an ad- objective style. If there's something that flowery language or very powerful, it's usually put in a quote from a company spokesperson or president or principal of the company. And it's very readable, and it's usually the most pertinent information at the beginning, and they call it the inverted pyramid style of writing. And it's got a media contact for more information. And basically what you're trying to get across is something that you feel is newsworthy that the media would be receptive to turning into an article or story and share with their readers.
0: Yeah, because we've talked about this a little bit before. We have a common friend, Amanda Berlin, Gift Biz listeners. She's been on the podcast before, so I'll hook up her episode in the show notes. But I think a lot of us feel we have to be waiting for the media to come to us. If we're lucky enough for them to want to do an article on us, we've hit the jackpot. Right. But the concept, and I bring this up just kind of as a baseline for everyone who's listening, is the fact is that a lot of media, even your local newspapers, appreciate if you come to them because they're always looking for stories, and especially local stories. Right, Mickey?
1: That's true. And for local coverage, you don't need a service like e releases or anything like that. I always advise people who call in and say, I'm really just looking for some local media pickup. I tell them, well, you're in for a treat because you don't have to pay anything for this. And it's so easy. In your local area, there's usually less than 10 people that would write about you. There's usually a local newspaper, a local business paper. You might have a secondary paper or a regional paper. And then you've got maybe a radio or TV program that interviews businesses like yours. So it's a small group of people. You just figure out who it is that normally writes about that. And then you reach out to them and send them an email. It's just like how you would establish a connection with someone. You just say, hey, I've seen you write about XYZ. I loved your recent piece on such and such. And I just wanted to introduce myself and let you know about my company. If you're ever interested in writing a story or something like that along these ideas, and you can give them bullets of some possible ideas. They love it because it's content for them. It gets them thinking about another person they can tap if they're doing a story down the road. And it's one of those things that if you do it really well, you could reach out to them four or five times a year and sort of sometimes mention your company and sometimes mention just a good idea for them that has nothing to do with your company. You're just being a good resource and a good friend to the local media. They'll remember you when they are working on a story for which you would be a great company to plug in.
0: So it sounds like relationship building.
1: Exactly. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So that's a good action step right there is just identify who in your community are those people. And reach out and just say, hey, hi, I'm out here, as you were saying, Mickey, and then share a couple of thoughts or ideas of story topics where you could be helpful and then keep in touch with them. Exactly. Just as the starting point.
1: Yes. And I think that for anybody who's making something, I would include images and photos are so powerful. Uh, The media loves them. And a lot of times an image will really convey a lot as to what you're about and what it is that you make and you're trying to promote.
0: And all of this is for potential for them to run like a feature story for you.
1: Exactly. I mean, that's the goal. Sometimes it may not work out exactly that way. It might be that you get uh, mentioned in a roundup of local businesses for Valentine's Day if you make something that might be appropriate there. So we all would love to have the features, but sometimes they might see an immediate need to just plug you into a hole with something else. And that's fine. I mean, there's no such thing as bad news coverage, uh, most of us say.
0: Right. You get your name in somewhere and that's good. Exposure of all those types. So how do you know if you should go after and pitch something that would be more of a feature article or if you should submit a press release? Are there any guidelines there?
1: I think it has to come down with your comfort level. If you're really good and comfortable at pitching a feature, there's no reason you can't expand it beyond local and reach out to some key publications that you feel you stand a good chance at getting. And the relationship building that I pointed out for the local media works nationwide. I mean, that's what a good PR firm does, is they're constantly fostering these relationships and putting their clients in front of the media. That being said, there's an expertise that comes with relationship building that not everyone is comfortable with. And a lot of people, that side of the business isn't something that excites them and in that case i feel like a press release would be completely appropriate and a good fit to sort of try that and see if that works we've had pretty good results with makers and people selling stuff whether it be etsy or their own website and it's exciting when you see the media respond to that which they often do because stuff that's usually handmade or has artisan elements to it it stands out because it's unique and that's the biggest identifier of something that the media will turn into an article. Is there a unique or original story here that I can put in front of my readers that they would respond to? And I do find that stuff that's handmade or handcrafted or anything involving arts, painting, the list is endless. A lot of that stuff does really well with PR and press releases because it is something that's different than someone who's just selling a widget or the latest trend item or product.
0: Right. I'm also thinking that a lot of the audience can relate to it because, let's face it, all of us in grade school got that blank piece of paper and paint in front of us in art class, right?
1: Right. Yeah, absolutely.
0: So no matter what you're doing as a handmade maker, there's a whole audience that can relate, even if they don't make, relate, buy, or know your product. So that in turn would be enticing and interesting for someone to write about. So I'm just gonna make one comment here, Mickey, and then I wanna dive into press releases specifically. But I remember within my chamber of commerce, I was friends with both a husband and wife who both worked for a local newspaper here. So it was really easy to talk with them when we were at chamber meetings or I saw them at after hours or something like that to just develop a friendship. And then things just naturally came to me because they saw me at networking meetings. So when it came to, well, what businesses should we highlight this month? Oh, let's go talk with Sue, right? Right. So some of that can just come naturally. But you need to know who the players are to start forming friendships and relationships with them. And then with that one, which was really interesting, I don't know if this is normally what they do. They had me write the article and then send it to them. And I thought, oh, well, they're just doing that because then they'll take it and tweak it and adjust it. No, they wrote it verbatim, just my whole article. I was like, that's weird, but it's in the paper, so I don't care.
1: (laughs) That does happen at the local level. You do see that where they're just making basically space available for them and you're helping them out with content. So that does happen.
0: Yeah. And I love that you say you're helping them out because that's the mentality we have to have is that they need us as much as we would like them right with the stories so all right so press releases there are a lot of us within this community who will do events like i'm thinking about someone gentleman's name is nick from lucas candies and he over the holidays they make the old-fashioned handmade candy canes from scratch which is crazy difficult And then they twist it so that the red and the white merges and all of that. They make it into the hook and then it has to dry and everything. It's a whole big deal. And so it's an event that leading up to the holidays, they promote in their shop. So people can come and actually watch it all being done. So that's an event. Grand openings could be an event. A new seasonal array of items coming into the shop could be an event. Like things like that, are those good press-worthy topics?
1: They can be. If it's a grand opening, it's definitely of relevance to the local media, maybe not nationally. If you're launching a new brand online or a new product online, that's definitely relevant to a national audience. Sometimes certain trends and statistics and things like that can do really well. Sometimes aligning yourselves with others. I've seen a lot of people in certain spaces do really well collaborating with competitors. For example, a few people getting together and putting a list together of top five regional candies in the area and list the major candy companies highlighting certain ones that are of local interest and that people know and have a long tradition and things like that. So collaboration works really well. Sometimes, like I said, if you might consider someone your competitor, there might be synergy working together to to sort of get your interest across and to sort of elevate things. The holidays are great. Valentine's Day works really well for candies and gift ideas and things like that. But a Mother's Day, Father's Day, all these different holidays, a lot of people will produce gift guides. And they're always looking for something a little unique and relevant. And so this is where I think that you could just be plugged in there as an additional product that would be available and newsworthy. So, again, a really great image is going to be really important. A photo that you could see being put in paper or magazine or even online or a blog, because a lot of that stuff ends up online as well.
0: Mm -hmm. And these are worthy of creating a press release to get the word out about it?
1: Yes, they are. And it also depends on your budget. Now, what I say to someone who's a business that might be doing, say, $500,000 a year in revenue or more is a little bit different than someone who's bootstrapping. If you're bootstrapping, I would save my press releases for the most newsworthy thing because you may only have a budget of doing two or three a year. And so you want to make sure you get your biggest bang for your buck. But if you do have a marketing budget that allows you to do press releases as there are events and as there are opportunities, like maybe 10 to 20 a year, then I would say, yeah, definitely take advantage of every one and learn. Over time, you'll get a feel for what's working and what's not working within your industry. It is a bit of trial and error, but there are ways of sort of putting strategy into your press release and making it a bit more strategic. Sometimes it's looking at trends and commenting on them in a way that's maybe contrarian or counter to what other people are saying. Sometimes it's working with numbers and statistics that work can work really well with media. And they don't have to be your numbers for statistics. It might be just as Halloween is approaching X millions of tons of candy corn are sold each year. And here's a company that produces Halloween candy locally or there's an angle there. So a lot of these different hooks can get the media interested and you really want to just sort of try to step up your game, amp up your writing, and try to present something that's captivating and interesting.
0: Yeah, I liked your Halloween example, like a candy company who could also merge with like a dentist. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. But, you know, it could be enjoy your candy and then here are the tips to make sure your teeth stay healthy with all the sugar your intake you have. <laughs> I don't know what. But that could be like sure. an event, like a guide yeah. that they put together. Absolutely. Who knows? Like you guys can be creative with that for sure. But do you have to have a budget behind a press release? Like let's talk about someone who's just starting out. And one of the challenges the handmade community has is as you're starting your business, you're having to invest in the ingredients that make up your product too, right? Sure. So there's a lot of extra costs In addition to what some other businesses would have. So we've talked a little bit about the types of events you might have. And I think if we're really smart, even as starting businesses, we could think of some events. And I want to fact check my hearing and subsequent thinking here, Mickey. You were saying, make sure to think about what the events are that you might be pitching, whether you're having someone do it for you or you're doing it yourself, because you want them all to be things that people would really be interested in. Because could you get the reputation like, oh, here's this company pitching again, and they don't even look at it because you're not pitching good things?
1: Yeah, I mean, that does happen. But that being said, I think that the squeaky wheel does get the oil at the end of the day. I think that you don't want to get blocked in someone's email filter. So if you're emailing your local media, I would say I wouldn't do it more than eight times, 10 times a year, sending them individually an email. I just think that beyond that, you do run the risk of being a pest. But that being said, if you balance really well, providing them good tips and leads and things like that, then they probably won't see you that way. One of the things that a lot of local companies have is they understand their industry very well. And so when they see trends, oftentimes they can pass those trends along to their local media, which may not be aware of that trend yet. And they'll be very appreciative whether your company is relevant to it or not. And again, that's just another way of establishing good rapport.
0: Right. That makes sense. And honestly, 8 to 10, I see most people saying, oh, my gosh, that's already a lot. (laughs) So it doesn't sound like we are at risk of bombarding the media. (laughs) I think we're good.
1: And I say break it down to something that works for you. If a goal of once a quarter is something that you can attain for, then set that as your goal.
0: Okay. All right. So we've got a topic. Let's just call it a grand opening because that's easy. Everyone knows what that is. And that's something everybody could do. So let's say it's a grand opening and we want to write a press release. You got into it a little bit earlier, but can you give us some direction about what the structure should look like or any tips as we're looking at a blank sheet of paper or a clicking cursor on a computer screen?
1: Right. I'd say that the three most important elements is the headline. And you don't want it to be like a New York Post pun. You want it to be relevant because a lot of journalists will look at a press release or your email or if it is on a newswire, the headline. And if they can't tell who you are and what you're about from the headline because it's a clever pun, they're probably not going to drill down and read further. The New York Post is great at these headlines that are just puns and they interest you and they're whimsical. You can be whimsical, but you have to be relevant and have some context when you do your headline. The opening paragraph, specifically the opening sentence, is extremely important. If it's a grand opening, you want to make sure that that first sentence discusses the who, what, when, where of this grand opening and starts to explain from there. The third most important part of a press release and the one that I think gets shortchanged a lot is a quote. A quote is a really great way to amp up your writing. Have something said in a way that can't be paraphrased. It generally can be very powerful or emotionally moving or sometimes controversial. I mentioned being contrarian earlier. If you can get a quote in an article, even if the article gets minimized and it's not about your company as a feature, having that quote is really good because it's going to be grounded who said it and who they are. And so it'll mention your company. And so it's a great end for maintaining you within an article. I've seen where someone launches a press release and it might mention like a strange holiday, like we sell mugs for veterinary assistants. And you do a press release because there's a veterinarian assistant day. I've seen where that press release gets someone saying, Oh, this is interesting, write about the holiday and never mention the company that makes the mug and sent the press release out. It inspired the article, but it never got mentioned. If they had a really great quote in that article, I would bet that that quote would have survived in that article, and that company would have been able to preserve a mention in an article that otherwise they weren't able to.
0: That is such a good point. The example really nailed it for me. You're right, because the article could be so good, the topic could be so good, and like how devastating if they don't mention it, and you're the one who brought the idea and all the information.
1: I've seen that happen so many times, and often it's not the journalist or writer's fault. It's the managing editor who looks at it and says, oh, why is this little company I've never heard of, why is that mentioned here? But if that company's mentioned and there's an amazing quote, the managing editor's going to go, oh, I can see why it's in here. That's a great quote, and they won't challenge it.
0: Yeah. Well, and I think also, and this I learned from Amanda And I'm sure you're going to agree with me, but I just have to point it out. Tell me if I'm wrong. But the headline that you said, this mug company sells products for whatever, whatever, is very self-serving to that company, right? Where I think the focus of an article always has to be the interest of the reader first. So a quote, like you're saying, brings back attention to the company, but it's not totally focusing on the company. Exactly. Okay, that makes sense. So I love that you talk about the headline is important. Don't be creative, crazy. So people like it's all flowery words, but nobody has any idea what you're talking about. (laughs) (laughs) The opening sentence needs to give all the details. So you were talking about the inverted pyramid here. I have a little advantage because I'm a journalism major, but (laughs) I know press releases a little bit. But what you're talking about here is instead of like as a story, you lead up to the conclusion, you want to put the conclusion up top, right?
1: Absolutely. Yes.
0: Okay, so right away from and it almost sounds like it's anticlimactic, however you say that. But the point is, everyone needs to know that all the details up front, or the specifics up front, and then you can go into some conversation about it afterwards. So for anyone who hasn't done press releases, it sounds wrong. It sounds like it should be flipped, but it's really the right way for press releases.
1: Right. Because journalists are browsing a lot. And if you've buried the lead, they may not get down to that section. And so you really want your most newsworthy elements to be right there front and center.
0: Okay. And should the quote then be pretty close up to the top two?
1: It doesn't have to be. I've seen it appropriate in the second paragraph all the way through towards the end. I prefer it sooner rather than later. So I would try to incorporate it in the second or third paragraph.
0: Okay. Which leads to another question. How long should this press release be?
1: Well, you want to be concise, and most press releases are under 500 words. I've seen press releases that are 800, 900 words, and they're the appropriate length because they're conveying a lot of information. Sometimes you can certainly link to information. If you have additional resources on your website and a journalist who does want to learn a little bit more about a particular thing, you can link off to that information. But at the end of the day, for the average person, I think under 500 words, under 550 words would be appropriate.
0: Okay. And then at the very bottom, I know this from us doing business together, there are certain things that you want to add, right? Contact information.
1: Correct. Yeah.
0: What are those things again?
1: Well, you want to have a media contact that's usually a person's name and telephone number is what the newswire requires. And the reason is because the last thing a journalist under deadline wants is trying to get a response through an email. So they do want to have a phone number that they can call and escalate if they're like going to press and they need something answered. An email address is great to have there. We do some obfuscation to prevent spam because it is one of those things that gets harvested out there online. That's pretty much it. There is usually towards the end of many press releases what they call a boilerplate, which is usually like an about section. So it might be about company and then it's a paragraph that generally survives all your press releases. It might get updated from time to time, but it just very succinctly tells your story and tells it very well.
0: It would be kind of like if you had a book, it would be like that about the author, little inside the flap or something, that kind of an idea.
1: Yes, definitely.
0: Okay. All right, good. Is there anywhere, if someone's interested in doing a press release, anywhere online, you would direct them to go to look at one as a model?
1: Yeah. If you visit eReleases.com, and I am going to try to get you there. If you go to our site, oh, actually at the bottom of the footer is a section called Press Release Samples. And we have lots of industry samples and resources, and you can get lost in there. There's lots of links to samples and examples of press releases to look at there.
0: Okay. All right.
1: Also in that footer, I did want to point out that I have a PR strategy training, which is a free video presentation of strategies involved in press releases. And I point that out only because so many people look at what a press release is. It's generally very simplistic. It's not complicated writing. And they immediately start writing a press release and then they send it out and it doesn't do very much. And unfortunately, you can't fault the press release, but it's the strategy behind it. Strategically, was this the most newsworthy thing that you could have written about? And the PR strategy training that I have on the website really goes into detail of all the strategies that work very well for people who do press releases And there are certain types of press releases that get picked up a lot as opposed to those that don't. So someone who has a hire in the company, like a new hire, those types of press releases don't get picked up very well. But if you do a survey or study, that does generally get picked up very well. And it's easy to do your own study. I mean, you yourself can reach out to your customers or your leads and just provide a study about maybe handcrafted gifts and get their responses to it and craft a press release around that. and mention your company contextually in there and the media will often find that interesting as well as the type of questions that you ask. Cause there's a way to put a couple of interesting questions in there that really elevates the journalist's interest to say, wow, my customers would really want to know the answer to this question. So sometimes before you do the survey, you wanna have some really captivating questions where it doesn't matter what the answer is, It's just people, once they hear the question, they want to know what people said.
0: Yeah. Okay, so I'm thinking of two ideas here for everybody. One could be, what is the favorite scent of, and then it could be your hometown, you know, depending on where your audiences are from. So the favorite candle scent of Northbrook, Illinois, let's say, which is a town I grew up in. And then you could have done a survey from all the customers if you have a pretty relatively big customer base, not like five people, but within that community. So that could be an interesting thing. But then the other thing I'm thinking is what if someone did a battle of samples, like, and they Uh. had a bake shop and it's like, okay, who's going to win out the peanut butter cookies or the oatmeal raisin? Come Uh. cast your vote. Open house this date. So then it turns into an event, right? Right. Open house this date come cast your vote. We're doing sampling. You pick your favorite results to come.
1: Yeah. And you can also get survey results through social media. The local paper may even send your link out to their readers or share it online to their Facebook group, etc. And give you people's weighing in on what they want. And so that you don't necessarily have to have a huge customer base. That's sort of modifying something that people do with trade associations. Trade associations are always surveying their members, and if you have some interesting questions, you can always offer those to the trade association. Sometimes they'll want to just absorb it and take credit for the study, but sometimes they're willing to share co-brand elements of a survey, and that helps you with the media when you do a press release, because now it's not just you who did the survey. You did the survey in association with a trade group, and that looks really well.
0: That's a great point, Mickey. Yeah, really smart. Okay, so I'm feeling empowered and I'm feeling like we could do this. We could dip our foot in and create, find a topic and create a press release ourselves. especially if we want local eyes coming on it. So we develop a relationship. We write a press release because we've gone through your strategic training. So we are putting the odds in our favor that we've got a good topic. We follow your guidelines, write the press release, and then we just submit it forward. And then what happens? How do we know if it got picked up or not? We'll get the answer to this question and more talk about press releases right after a quick break.
2: Yes, it's possible. Increase your sales without adding a single customer. How you ask? By offering personalization with your products. Wrap a cake box with a ribbon saying, Happy 30th birthday, Annie. Or add a special message and date to wedding or party favors for an extra meaningful touch. Where else can you get customization? With a creatively spelled name or find packaging that includes a saying whose meaning is known to a select two. Not only are customers willing to pay for these special touches, they'll tell their friends, and word will spread about your company and products. You can create personalized ribbons and labels in seconds. Make just one or thousands without waiting weeks or having to spend money to order yards and yards. Print words in any language or font. Add logos, images, even photos perfect for branding or adding ingredient and flavor labels too. For more information go to theribbonprintcompany.com.
1: Generally they'll contact you if they have a question but often if they just write an article about you they don't contact you. So it's always a good idea if you're actively doing media to ask how did you hear about us. Check your incoming traffic, usually your logs, or if you have Google Analytics, will show the links that people came into your website. And then also do a Google News search and a Google Web search. And this is weird, but some news articles are only in Google News and some are only in Google Web. And I think that some media properties opt out of being in Google News, but they still are spidered and are in Google Web. I've learned this trick of trying to find mentions of my customers. And so, you know, if they have a very unique product or company name, I'll use that for the search. If not, I can contextually maybe use the company name and their city or something like that and do searches in Google News and then do the same thing in Google Web. And in Google Web Search, you can also look at your searches by dates. So if you did a press release on February 1st, you would only want to show the Google web results from say February 1st to now. And so that's a great way of sort of isolating. I find that picks up most everything. There are clipping services out there that specialize in producing clips for people, but they're really for people who are heavy hitters and people who are comfortable spending two to $4,000 a month just for the clipping service. And I'm like, even if you had somehow a budget for that, I would say spend the two or $4,000 on something like producing a survey or study, doing more press releases, and I would just go to the Google News and Google Web searches and try to pick up as much as I can from there.
0: Yeah, and that's exactly what you told me when we had that conversation in December. <laughs> <laughs> Don't spend your money there. Okay, so if you have a product that has more nationwide appeal... Like, Mickey, I'm thinking of some of the people who were listening here who do have national products. Well, everybody can sell nationally now, of course, but people who are making edible products, candies, and anything, I guess. But let's say there's somebody who's introducing a new product who really wants to go bigger and get national attention. This would be a time when we would want to use e-releases and your services.
1: Exactly. Yeah, we're really good at that. I feel like the local angle is much better done yourself and making those original connections. But when it comes to national, you really don't know what's out there until you do a national release and you see what gets picked up and what doesn't and where it gets picked up. It's always surprising the little places that come out of the woodwork that you learn about. If you do a newsworthy release, that does get some pickup.
0: Seriously, that's true. So I did my release with you for the National Baker's Crafters Makers Day. And the first thing I have to say to you, Mickey, and then everyone listening, of course, is I had such a smile on my face just with the release you guys created. And I know I could have created the release and just handed it to you. But I'm like, nope, I'm doing this the right way. I don't have any time. And there's no way I would have taken the approach that you guys did. So that was fabulous. So just getting the release done. And I'm just telling everybody, you don't actually have to write your release either other services, and Mickey's for sure could do the press release for you. And then you had me pick categories, as I recall. So it narrowed in so I wasn't going into like an automotive publication or something that was totally like left field from what I was targeting. So that's another advantage, too, is you've got lists of people, probably a reputation already, for sure a system of getting these releases out to people. And then based on what I was choosing as my audience, that's how they got dispersed. And there's not a chance that I would have known all of those contacts. So that's a huge benefit of using your services. But if there was someone else out there, too, that's what you would do, right? Is you get it out to the right places.
1: Right. And it's grown over the last few years. The newswires at first didn't include bloggers, but now they embrace bloggers and influencers as well. I've seen some people get picked up on Instagram by influencers just because they're on the Newswire feed. They're looking at stuff as well. So it really is changing and evolving. I know that a lot of the print stuff is slowly migrating online, but that makes it more democratic in a way it's a lot more accessible to people. I can check my local hometown newspaper from North Carolina, even though I live in Maryland, by being online. So it's really great at being able to get your roots out to so many different places. And that saturation is so broad that you really have to use a service to get it out there and to really saturate it to all the different media.
0: Yeah. I mean, I was completely impressed by where we got picked up. I mean, little radio stations, other newspapers, like all different types of places picked it up. And pretty quickly, too, which was really good. That's kudos to the press release content, I'm sure. (laughs) Thank you. So you're right. And this was one of the questions I was going to ask you, Mickey, is how things have changed over the course of time. But let's talk about one that you were just mentioning, which is so many print newspapers or any magazines, anyone who's been print has either transitioned 100% to online or a good portion is online. When you submit a press release, you just submit it to that company. They choose where it's going to go, right?
1: Yes. Ultimately, they decide.
0: And it might be both. It might be one. It might be another. Right. Yeah. And you just don't know. You're at their mercy, but who cares? I mean, you want it somewhere.
1: Exactly. It's basically like when you send out a press release, it's like, here is copy for you to use basically any capacity you want to use it. We see it with publicly traded companies that they'll issue a release and they'll say, I remember years ago when Microsoft said we're getting rid of bulletin boards to help children to have Internet safety or something like that. And a journalist wrote about it and said the reason that they closed it was because it wasn't being monetized. And it's all great lip service that Microsoft says one thing, but the journalist ultimately decides what will get reported and what they believe the truth to be.
0: Got it. And so going back to my experience, my entire release was pretty much picked up in total and then just reposted everywhere. That's mostly how it works?
1: Well, that's how the syndication aspect of it, it it is usually the same release verbatim gets reposted to some syndicated sites which is great, but we also hope that some of the journalists will actually turn it into original content by writing an article or something that is unique. And that does happen. It does involve a little bit of trial and error and finding what works in your industry. It all tends to be industry specific. So at the end of the day, you wanna be really good at analyzing your industry. What is it that they're talking about? What is it that they're not talking about? Sometimes they don't talk about something for a reason. But sometimes it's just a blind spot and it's a great opportunity for you to get in there and own that conversation and get that forward.
0: I think another thing, and this is from experience, is also consider if you have flexibility with when you're going to submit your article or what day your event is going to be, if it's date specific, is to look at what else is going on in the world. Because for me and my national day It was the day after the changing of presidents, you know, the inauguration. So not the best time because a lot of the news was focused on that, even though it's not my community, but it still got picked up. But I think if you have the opportunity, at least consider that in timing.
1: Absolutely. You never know what's going to happen with breaking news and things like that. So sometimes it's just the release goes out and it wasn't the best day because something else happened nationally that just sort of distracted a lot of people. But that being said, you hope that people are receptive to stuff every day. And publicly traded companies release bad news every Friday after the close of the market. And guess what? They still write about it on Monday morning and Tuesday. (laughs) Yeah. So they're always looking. So they're always receptive and open to seeing stuff.
0: Okay. All right. And I don't know. This just comes to mind. I'm not even sure why it's important, but I'm going to ask it anyway. Who owns the content after a press release comes out?
1: It's basically copyright free. So anybody, generally most anyone can use it. That being said, the Newswire does preserve original copyright so that they can force someone to take it down if it's like on a really bad site that you feel might hurt you having a press release there. But Google, it doesn't really penalize people for that, because if that was the case, people would just pay to have all their competitors and enemies press releases put on (laughs) that website. So Google's aware of that. But that being said, the content is out there. It can be utilized by people that you may not want. A particular blog that doesn't look very professional reposted your release. It may not fit what you want, but that's the nature of it. And sometimes I have had people who've come and said, ah, this person wrote about the release and I don't really like them because it looks like someone's grandmother designs a website or something. And I'm just like, hey, you don't know what the audience that person has. And just because it doesn't fit yours, that it's not a reputable site. And I certainly don't think it's going to hurt you. But potentially it does have the opportunity to actually open some doors and some availability from that audience to yours.
0: Yeah. I mean, like I said, I can't imagine a situation where there'd be that concern, but it came to mind, so I wanted to say it. And then how long a lifespan does a press release have? Like if it's not date specific, like a grand opening would be, for example, would it be possible that a press release that I submitted today would show up six months from now?
1: It is possible, and we've had people who've gotten media coverage over a year after a release. What happens is these press releases on the Newswire get archived permanently, and journalists have their own login to the Newswire, either through the intranet at their newsroom or specifically in the case of PR Newswire, they have a journalist login at PR Newswire. They can do research and they can just filter and let's say they're doing a story on a particular style of craft or carving or something like that. And they type that search into Pierre Newswire's archives and they pull up a press release you did from a year ago. Well, they really don't care because they're doing the story now. It's on this style of carving or sculpting or something and they pulled up your press release, they're going to reach out to you. They're not going to say, oh, let me try to find somebody with a more recent press release, because some subjects aren't time sensitive. And if you're involved in a type of craft or style of something, then that's what we call sort of evergreen. And so that does happen. And it happens a lot in technology sectors as well. But anywhere where a journalist might be trying to find someone, They like press releases for research because there's usually a phone number. Because I mentioned to you that the Newswire really wants that phone number to be in the press release, where if they're under their gun, they can call you. Well, they'll generally email and call when they're working on a story and they really need a source, whether it's for a quote. Sometimes they need someone to better break something down, help them understand something that they're having an issue with. But it's a great opportunity for you to get in that article that they're developing.
0: Interesting. So that sounds like a potential strategy Four press releases a year of non-date-specific content to kind of seed yourself out there.
1: Absolutely. And like I said, make sure you have a great quote in it. Make sure you're doing all the right things. That way, even if you don't get the immediate coverage that you were hoping for, you've learned something. You've learned that this story didn't resonate with my industry at this time but also it is something that's gonna be sitting there in the newswire for future availability. And another thing that I didn't mention is, this is valuable content that you should put on your website. I always recommend that you have, some people call it a newsroom. It can be an about you section. It could even be your personal blog. How you label it or organize it is important but just get this content on your website because it is a way in which the search engines can find you because your keywords and the way that you speak and the way you talk should be the way people are searching and ultimately want to find you. So these are additional avenues for them into your website, and into learning about you.
0: So what would you do, put the press release on the website?
1: Yeah, oh, absolutely, Mm. yep. I mean, if you go to any of like Ford Motor Company or Coca-Cola, they've all got like a press room or newsroom. And all of their press releases are there. A lot of times if you do searches, I do searches for esoteric things. And a lot of times I will actually pull up a press release. And that's my entry into a company is by finding a search. It happened to be a press release. And all of a sudden I'm on their website.
0: Okay, that's giving me some thought. So you see people who do like the in the news, that type of thing.
1: Yeah, it can be. It can be as formal as like a newsroom or press room, or it could just be, I tell people this, and what I found is a lot of small businesses just never get to developing out a newsroom in a proper place, but they have a regular blog. I would rather they post it to their blog than nowhere, because you want it to live on your site somewhere. So anywhere it makes sense for you to incorporate it, go ahead and start doing that.
0: That sounds fabulous. So Mickey, this has been so interesting. It makes me think about press releases in an entirely different way now, because this really is a strategy that you can integrate into your business as an expense or not, but just to get more visibility in a different way. So any final comments for our listeners on this?
1: I would say when you get to a point that you want to try it, try it for free, doing it yourself and explore local media. You don't even need a finished press release for local media. Sometimes it's just the idea or seed of a story that you're pitching to them through email, and that's completely fine and relevant. But when you are able to incorporate PR into your business, do commit to a proper PR campaign because the one thing that is disappointing is to see a small business try one press release and say, ah, press releases don't work for us. And sometimes you might do a PR campaign is usually six releases. Sometimes you might have to do a few before you find what your industry is receptive to. And that training that I have on the website about strategy will definitely leapfrog you as to having all your ducks in a row and leading with your most newsworthy aspects.
0: Perfect. And one more time, where should they go to find all that?
1: If you go to ereleases.com slash plan, P-L-A-N, that's the PR strategy video training that I mentioned. Completely free. I want as many small businesses as possible to learn that. And whether they do it themselves or they use a service like e releases, it's really valuable. It's what I've learned over the last 20 years. And my goal is for small businesses to succeed. I love small businesses, and your audience seems right there with my idea of helping and community. And me being a poet, I feel a real synergy there.
0: (laughs) I love that part. That's a great way to end it, circling it, tying it all back together like that with your poetry, for sure. So, Mickey, this has been so informative, so interesting. I'm pretty sure the majority of people who are listening have never really considered press releases. So you've opened our eyes to a whole new world. (laughs) So for that, thank you so much for being with me today. Thank you. The most important thing I want you to remember from this show, apart from all the fabulous how-to tips that Mickey gave us, is that the media wants your story as much as you want the opportunity. There is no way for them to know about you unless you tell them through press releases. And when you match your story up with what they're looking for, this can be an easy win. Identify who your local contacts are and write that first press release. What do you have to lose? There's definitely a lot to win. My teaser for next week, I'm so excited for you to meet one of my rockstar maker MBA students. She has an upscale product and an inspiring business growth story. Make sure to tune in next week to hear all about it. I also want to remind you that we're open for booth registration at the virtual at-home craft and gift show happening April 14th through 30th. Reach and sell to a national audience all from the comfort of your own home or studio. To learn more about it and register for a booth, head over to giftbizunwrapped.com forward slash at and make sure to enter the code GIFTBIZ10 to get 10% off as a first-time exhibitor. If you have any questions about the show, feel free to reach out to me. Just send me an email, sue at sue Thank you, thank you for spending time with me today. If you'd like to show support for the podcast, would you please leave a rating and review? That means so much and helps the show get seen by more makers, so it's a really nice way to pay it forward. It's also best to subscribe so the episodes automatically download to your phone. That way, you don't miss a thing. How do you subscribe? Just pull up Gift Biz Unwrapped on your podcast app of choice and tap the subscribe button. Easy! (laughs) And now, be safe and well, and I'll see you again next week on the Gift Biz Unwrapped podcast. I want to make sure you're familiar with my free Facebook group called Gift Biz Breeze. It's a place where we all gather and are a community to support each other. I've got a really fun post in there that's my favorite of the week, I have to say, where I invite all of you to share what you're doing, to show pictures of your product, to show what you're working on for the week to get reaction from other people, and just for fun, because we all get to see the wonderful products that everybody in the community is making. My favorite post every single week, without doubt. Wait, what? Aren't you part of the group already? If not, make sure to jump over to Facebook and search for the group Gift Biz Breeze. Don't delay. Come join us in Gift Biz Breeze. Today,